0: Oral questions by members?
1: Member for Prince George mount.
0: Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, after four and a half years, the people of Surrey expected and deserved an end to the chaos and confusion. But instead, once again, this Premier's utter lack of leadership has left residents, police officers of both forces, and an entire province in limbo. Instead of ending the uh, confusion and uncertainty, this government only added to the chaos by announcing some kind of vague $150 million grant for municipal policing costs with absolutely no details. Under this Premier's watch, there is a massive police officer shortage, regardless of what badge they wear. British Columbians are left wondering how on earth it is beneficial for public safety and not merely NDP politics to vaguely offer $150 million for the Surrey Police Service while providing zero for the RCMP. Why is this Premier continuing the chaos by providing funding exclusively for one police model and not the other?
1: Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor-General.
2: Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And I, I thank the, uh, the member for the question. And I will note that she is a former Attorney General Solicitor-General. And she will know uh, that under the Police Act, the responsibility I have was to make a decision on a request by the City of Surrey to transition back to uh, the Surrey uh, uh, RCMP. Uh, that's the authority that I have. That is the decision that I am able to make. Uh, and so, the, when the City of Surrey uh, said they wanted to transition back, after an election in 2018 where they unanimously said they wanted to go to a Provincial Police Service, and then in the subsequent election said they now want to go back to the, to this, to this, to the RCMP, they have to provide my ministry, myself, the Director of Police Services, with a plan on how they propose to do that. Because, as Solicitor General, my responsibility is to ensure public safety, not just in Surrey, but right across the province. Surrey is far and away the largest RCMP detachment in this province, but also in this country. And so the impacts of any transition can have a significant effect on other communities, such as Prince George, for example. Uh, Large and small, such as my own area. We asked the City of Surrey and the RCMP to provide the information on how they would do a transition. That information was received just prior to Christmas. There was additional information and questions from that. That was received in February. My Ministry staff, Director of Police Services, worked and did a thorough, comprehensive analysis in terms of the plan. Would it ensure uh, public safety, safe and effective policing for a transition in Surrey? The recommendation came back and the answer was no, it would not. My, 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 uh, my response was to communicate that the, uh, the, the, the plan would not be approved, but the best way forward for the City of Surrey was to a path to continue on that transition uh, to the Surrey Police Service, acknowledging that there were costs associated with that, that the City of Surrey had, had identified, that Deloitte had uh, uh, confirmed and, because I know it is not the City of Surrey's preferred option, agreed that we would work with them to to, uh, deal with uh, those costs to ensure that they are not borne by the taxpayers of Surrey or the business taxpayers of Surrey.
1: Member for Prince we mail more supplemental.
0: Well, I'm certain that uh, answer isn't going to provide any additional clarity or confidence to the people of Surrey. And let's talk about transparency. Eighty percent of a 500-page report was redacted. That's the uh, Solicitor-General's uh, comment about transparency. Here's the bottom line. At a time when this province is in the middle of a crisis in violent crime, whether it's random attacks or social disorder, The Premier steps in, and guess what happens? More confusion than ever. This Premier and his government have been all over the map for four and a half years, leaving a giant cloud of uncertainty over the heads of the people of Surrey. Last fall, the Solicitor General declared, and I quote, I know one thing, the province will not be contributing any money, end quote. Well, apparently the Solicitor General was wrong. It probably came after heavy polling on the issue. The Premier is playing politics with $150 million in provincial tax dollars, which has only added to the confusion instead of addressing the growing public safety crisis. Why are the residents of Surrey and all of British Columbia forced to pay the price for this Premier sowing chaos and confusion all the while ignoring public safety.
1: Solicitor General. Thank
2: you, uh, Honorable uh, Speaker. And again, I thank the member for the question. Uh, And I find it uh, somewhat ironic that a um, a former Attorney General and Solicitor General would not acknowledge that the redactions are because they are RCMP confidential information that relate to the staffing strengths of various detachments around the province. And, 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 as, and as as Solicitor General, I am not authorized to release that information. And more importantly, Honourable Speaker, I I would like to think, I would like to think that at least the opposition would wa- would want to make sure that confidential information such as that should remain that way, and you don't give that information to the criminals, honourable speaker.
1: Member for Surrey, White Rock.
3: Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I- Wow. The, the people of Surrey deserved some form of clarity from this minister when he found it a priority to actually make an announcement, an announcement that was costing the taxpayers of Surrey $8 million a month by this minister sitting on his hands and waiting to play politics. The minister says he talks about... This is apparently funny to, uh, to the government side of things, but it's not funny to the packed pairs of Surrey that are waiting for. <laughs> you should know that. 80% of a 500 page report redacted, not just to the public, but to mayor and council, people that were trying to respond and make a decision. 80%. Seventy-five percent of a 40-page report from the Director of Police Services, also blacked out. Now, this government, this Premier, chooses to play politics on an issue that is paramount to the safety of the people of Surrey. You know what? We have a Premier that has failed and failed time and again. We have a Premier who has authored a book on how to sue police. We have a Premier and a Solicitor General who have failed to give any direction to the City of Surrey. My question to the Premier is this, who's sitting there laughing. When will the Premier find the time to make it a priority and give some direction on this matter today?
1: Solicitor General.
3: Thank you. uh
2: Honourable Speaker, Um, then I would I would say this to the honourable member. I thank him for the question. Perhaps he should take time to read the Police Act, because if he did, he would find out what I am authorised to do under the Police Act when it comes to a request for a municipality that wants to reverse a decision. And I'll make this point, Honourable Speaker. It's not the, uh, the provincial government that said, oh, we want to go back to the RCMP. It was the city of Surrey, halfway through a transition that said they want to go back to the RCMP. And the reality is this, Honourable Speaker, It is about public safety, and that's why, Honourable Speaker, the Director of Police Services in my ministry, the staff in my ministry have taken the time necessary to do a thorough examination of all the issues around that to make sure that a recommendation, advice to me, in terms of the plan that was put forward by the City of Surrey and the RCMP on a transition, would it provide safe, effective public safety in the community? and indeed for the rest of the province, as is my responsibility, Honorable Speaker. The recommendation was no, Honorable Speaker. The decision was no, the plan cannot go forward. The best path forward, and that was the recommendation I gave to the city of Surrey, was to continue on the path to the Surrey Police Service as the most effective way to provide public safety, not only in the city of Surrey, but right across the province, Honourable Speaker, in communities like Prince George, in communities like Terrace, in communities like Kelowna, where council after council have said they want to have additional police resources, Honourable Speaker. The people engaged in that Honourable Speaker, many of them, most of them, have spent their entire careers in policing. I will take their advice and the the confidence in the work they have done any day over that of the (laughs) opposition.
1: Sorry, White Rock, supplemental. Thank
3: you, Mr. Speaker. And I guess it is the authority of the Solicitor General to actually go out, make an announcement and somehow create more confusion and more uncertainty than has ever existed before. You know, Mr. Speaker, a line that wasn't redacted from the report says, and I quote: "Policing effectiveness and public confidence are in a precarious state in BC." End quote. That line in there. Perhaps reflects the fact that we've got a former Attorney General, now Premier, who sits there and who has authored a book on how to, uh, how to actually sue the police. So, when we have a report that's gone to Mayor and Council with 80% redacted, that this Solicitor General gets up and says he knows better than those elected, I think he can understand why there's some confusion and uncertainty on this matter in Surrey. How much longer? Will this premier force the people of Surrey to tolerate his chaos and uncertainty that is now jeopardizing public safety?
1: Solicitor General.
2: Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And once again, I'm reminded how the uh, the opposition quite often don't like to, you know, they like to pick and choose lines and put quotation marks. The reality is, you should read the whole report because it sends it out. <laughs>
1: Mr. Will continue.
2: Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. I never thought I would see a time when an opposition that professes so much to care about public safety would say, would say that we should release the confidential staffing information from the RCMP so that the fact <laughs> again, I will I more Once again, members, I will repeat, I members, will repeat, I will repeat to the Honourable Member. That is confidential information that belongs to the RCMP. I do not have the authority to release that information. If they want to, they can. I'd be quite happy, Honourable Speaker. But I will also tell the opposition this, that my staff have already reached out to the City of Surrey to set up a meeting with the council in Surrey, the Mayor and Council and the staff, where they can go through the entire report unredacted, Honourable Speaker, and the bottom line is this, Honourable Speaker. This is about public safety, not just in Surrey, but the province as a whole. We know it. The public knows it. It's too bad they don't.
1: House leader, third party.
4: You know what, Mr. Speaker, I never thought that I would see a time when a government that profess to know exactly what was good for children in care when they were in opposition, miss the mark so entirely when they're in government, Mr. Speaker. Last week, <laughs> last week the official op- last week the official opposition raised serious concerns about the Ministry of Children and Family Development, specifically the number of children in care experiencing critical injuries and deaths. Just a few days later. A report came out showing that 470 children per month go missing from the foster care system in our province. That number is probably higher, but the Ministry of Children and Family Development doesn't keep good data to reflect it. Mr. Speaker, Hundreds of kids are fleeing every month because they feel isolated, vulnerable and traumatized. Separating children from their families and their communities traumatizes them, and it's only made worse. the so-called child welfare system in this province, subjecting children to a revolving door of social workers, foster parents, and support. The biggest risk to them is sexualized violence, and those kids, Mr. Speaker, are disproportionately Indigenous girls. My question is through you to the Premier. These kids are under his care. What responsibility does he have for the children that go missing every month?
1: Minister of Children and Family Development.
5: Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the Member for the question. The injury or death of any child is a, an absolute terrible tragedy, and my heart goes out shh, to shh, anybody.
1: Members, Minister will continue.
5: Nothing is more important than the safety and the well-being of the children and youth who are in our care. When a child or a youth in care does go missing, we want them to receive the same response that a caring parent would give. Now, the representative's report contains some really solid, important suggestions about how the ministry can strengthen its policies and procedures, and we'll be acting on those recommendations. At the same time, work is already underway within the ministry to ensure that placements meet the needs of children and youth who come into care, and increase that sense of belonging and cultural connection, and making sure that children and youth stay connected to their family, to their community, and to their culture. Mr. Speaker, our goal is to support children and youth to remain safely with their families and prevent them from entering the foster care system in the first place where possible.
1: Member for Saanich-North Island Supplemental.
4: Mr. Speaker, I would like to be able to take this government at their word, but the reality is when they are talking about fulfilling the recommendations from the RCY uh, reports, They think that 10%, 15% is something to take a victory lap about, Mr. Speaker, but that is not. That's leaving 85% of the recommendations unfulfilled. Quote, report after report has documented the BC Liberals' decisions to abandon our most vulnerable children. The Representative has shown us that. And after each report, the Premier does two things. She blames somebody else, and then she promises to do better, but it doesn't get better. End quote. You know who who said that, Mr. Speaker? That was the former member of Mount Pleasant, Melanie Mark, speaking of the former Premier Christy Clark's government in 2017. The BC NDP government uses essentially the same rhetoric. We're making progress, but there's more work to do. Fewest Indigenous kids in care. It's true this government has made changes, but the reality is, is, just like under the previous government, Mr. Speaker, we've heard this minister complain about the hundreds of kids in care are in danger every month under this BC NDP government. MCFD removes kids from their families for their safety. But what's been demonstrated, government after government after government in this province, is that the province is not a good parent for those children. Mr. Speaker, my question is to the Premier. Does he think that the kids in the government's care, under his watch, are safe?
1: Minister.
5: Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. We're absolutely committed to make sure that all children and youth in our care are safe and happy and healthy, and we will um, make sure that they stay connected to family, to community, and to culture, because we know that that leads to the best outcomes for them as well. Work is underway, Honourable Speaker, uh, in response to all of the recommendations that the representative for children and youth has made. And we're also transforming the child welfare system, Honourable Speaker. We've taken action for youth transitioning from care. We've taken action with Bill 38, implementing Indigenous jurisdiction over child welfare. We've taken action in Budget 2023 with increased supports for youth in care and caregiver rate increases. And Honourable Speaker, every single day, we continue to care for children and youth and to support them to thrive.
1: House Leader of the Official Opposition.
6: Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, on Friday, it was confirmed that under this NDP government, a massive shortage of police officers in British Columbia has dramatically risen over the past five years, to the point that public safety is now compromised. Results matter. And with a 9 per cent hard vacancy rate here in British Columbia, this province has a vacancy rate that's more than double that of the rest of the country. But instead of stepping up with money for multiple cities, the Premier chose to cynically find $150 million to play politics in Surrey. Mr. Speaker, what an insult to communities across the province where BC has the highest provincial vacancy rate for police officers anywhere in the country. Outraged mayors and councillors from communities with municipal police forces like Delta, Abbotsford and New Westminster are rightfully demanding to know what about them. So my question uh, to the premier is this: Since every police department in this province needs additional funding, will the premier stand up and reveal how all municipalities across the province, regardless of which policing model they have, can apply for additional funding?
2: Mr. General, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question from the member. And. Uh, um, it's interesting to note that he says we have the most vacancies uh, in the province. And the reality is we have the largest uh, RCMP detachment uh, in the entire country, Honorable Speaker. Uh, and vacancy issues have been on issues of hard vacancies and soft vacancies. Soft vacancies are those which are, for example, someone on PTSD or on maternity leave, for example. And they occur in the provincial line of what's called a provincial business line and a municipal uh, business line, which are um, uh, paid for by, by, by municipalities. At the same time, Honourable Speaker, uh, we have made it clear to the federal government that the issue of vacancies in the RCMP is critical to public safety in this province. So for last year, uh, 258 Uh, recruits from depot in Regina were received by the province of British Columbia. On any given year, about 900 go through, about 17% don't make it. That has to deal with such things as, uh, uh, you've got to deal with retirements, the growth uh, in the population and the demand from uh, communities right across this province for increased policing, honorable speaker. This government has been working extremely closely with the RCMP to deal with the situation of hard vacancies when it comes to the provincial police line. That's why we made the largest investment in policing in RCMP uh, resources in the history of this province, indeed of this country, Honorable Speaker, to fill the 277 hard vacancies that will go to rural British Columbia, small towns under 5,000 people in communities right across this province, uh, up in the Peace District, for example, in the Okanagan, for example, and on the island, honorable, Honorable Speaker. This is the first government to take that issue seriously, Honorable Speaker.
6: Well, uh, Mr. Speaker, the the facts actually really do matter here. In British Columbia, we have a 9 per cent hard vacancy rate with the RCMP. Across the rest of the country, it is 4.3 per cent. The last time I looked at that, Matt, that is more than double the vacancy rate here in British Columbia for RCMP than elsewhere in the country. That is the fact. Now, let us be clear. For communities with municipal police forces like Delta or Abbotsford, there are zero new dollars for policing. The infrastructure fund that the Minister was all over media over the weekend citing uh, is, actually isn't for policing. The fact, the Premier has explicitly stated that it shouldn't be used for operating costs. Uh, the empty announcement that the solicitor general just referenced uh, with respect to uh, RCMP uh, f- uh, policing, which was made last fall, well, that is was only for RC- rural RCMP uh, detachments in communities under 5,000. That's not uh, for municipal police forces. And by the way, that uh, program hasn't made any difference whatsoever. And last but not least, this back of, th- of the napkin $150 million announcement last Friday is for one type of policing in only one community in. British Columbia. Now, despite repeatedly claiming no provincial money would fund this decision, clearly the Premier has cynically found millions to put his thumb on the scale for just one policing uh, model in Surrey. And if that's not enough, the Premier also cynically included a, pr- a provision that if Surrey chooses the RCMP, they can't poach members from other police forces. But if Surrey chooses the uh, Surrey police force. No such rule exists, so go ahead and poach away from any police force you want across British Columbia. Mr. Speaker, none of this has anything whatsoever to do with public safety. Why is this Premier cynically playing politics with public safety through this litany of blatant double standards that's only resulted in four years of uncertainty, confusion and frankly an enormous mess?
2: Mr. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Um, all I can say is, after listening to that question, the number of factual errors in that question are unbelievable, Honourable Speaker. Let's start with the uh, the money that's for uh, for rural small communities, it does not only go to rural small communities. It goes to specialty teams such as traffic unit on the highway, which the uh, the uh, the mayor of merit has asked for uh, to be re-established. It goes for such things as the integrated child exploitation teams, honourable speaker, to deal with the issues of child exploitation, honourable speaker. Those are areas where it goes to. In t- in terms of the, the $72 million, that the, the infrastructure money that the member just said, does not go for policing. Where has he been, Honorable Speaker? Because the first thing the city of Surrey said we're gonna do, when faced with a 19% tax increase, we're gonna take that money to try and lower the tax increase because that'll pay for the severance pay, Honorable Speaker, and our return back to the RCMP, Honorable Speaker. Just another example of that member and that side of the house's misinformation, Honorable Speaker. Let's also be clear on this Honourable Speaker. When it comes to the city of Surrey, they are the largest detachment in the entire country. So a transition back, which by the way was unanimously supported by the Council of Surrey in 2018, and then in a 2022 election they said, no we want to go back, was, was a, will have a huge, a significant impact on policing, on police resources, on the very thing that the member is complaining about Honourable Speaker. And that's why the work the work done by my ministry, police experts by the way, and I don't know how much of a degree in policing that member has, but not very much, determined.
1: Thank you, member. Uh, Thank you, member.
2: The, the, The amount of of work done into that report is based on exactly what's required for public safety in Surrey and the rest of the province, Hon. Speaker.
1: Member for Surrey South.
7: Thank you, Hon. Speaker. And Just uh, for the sake of clarity and to have it put on the record, this really shouldn't have been a decision about transitioning back because the police transition hasn't taken place, the RCMP are still the police of jurisdiction in Surrey. And and with resourcing in this province, the Premier and his NDP government haven't funded the spaces. They didn't bring in the resources, and now they've created yet another crisis of public safety. The shortage of police officers reflects the decisions of this NDP government over the last six years. They're responsible for BC being double the national vacancy rate. I can say from personal experience that in 2018 and 19, the BC RCMP faced such critical underfunding from this government that training and travel for professional development was cut. And who did these cuts come from but this Solicitor General and the afore- former Attorney General, who now sits as Premier, these cuts were a direct result of the NDP's government's insufficient funding to the RCMP. And as former Deputy Commissioner Jennifer Strachan stated at the time, "quote, simply put, we can't spend more than we're given." End quote. So my question, Honourable Chair, is when is the Premier going to offer more than just empty words and actually address? The issues caused by the failure of his government over the past six years.
2: Solicitor General, thank you, uh, Honorable Speaker, and I appreciate the uh, the question uh, from the member. Uh, and I will I will point out uh, that this uh, this government has given the RCMP significant resources and tools that they have asked for, so that they can be far more effective here uh, in British Columbia. Since we've taken, uh, uh, since we formed government, than occurred under the previous government, Honourable Speaker. Whether it was putting in place the firearms forensic lab that they wanted, whether it was putting in place the witness protection program that was wanted, Honourable Speaker, whether it was putting in place surge teams, Honourable Speaker, that were placed in places in communities such as Terrace and in Kamloops and in Kelowna, Honourable Speaker, and Prince George. And at the same time, working with the RCP to get a full understanding of the vacancy patterns that occur in this province and one of the th- challenges honorable speaker that uh, the opposition doesn't seem to understand is that it's the how what comes out of the depot in regina it is not the province that, that trains those 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 cadets it is the re- depot in regina that is done by the federal government they have we have ha- we have seen a decline in interest uh, in, in in going to be going to the depot as a cadet there have been changes of course which can help in terms of the salary component honorable speaker but the reality is this when all british columbia gets is 258 recruits honorable speaker that puts enormous pressure on the province in terms of the staffing levels right across the province and it doesn't matter whether it's the provincial business line or the municipal business line where it's the municipalities will say here's and just, uh, honourable speaker, again, the plan that's in place ensures that that is uh, not the case and is properly superintended. The bottom line is this, honourable speaker: it is this government that made the largest investment in RCMP resources in the history of this province by hiring 200, wanting to hire 277 RCMP officers to fill the hard vacancies on the provincial business line, honourable. <laughs>
1: The bell ends the caution period.